You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 337, we're discussing Daredevil's arrival in the MCU, Spawn... And what Black Adam is bringing to the DC Universe. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And welcome back to another episode of The Nerd Room. Everyone out there, all of our listeners, we are glad to have you back here. And we're excited to talk another week of nerd. Carlos and I were texting a little earlier. And I said to him, man, we just went through Canadian Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to all those Canadians out there that just celebrated this past weekend. But I said, I forgot we were recording today because we had the day off. It comes Tuesday. And I said, I didn't prepare much. So we're actually going to do another news episode. And as we were texting, Carlos pitched me the idea of relaunching our relaunch eventually. We debuted what will be an eventual new slate coming through with our news episodes, broken up by a couple of different types of episodes, including Toy Stream Live over on YouTube. But we're just getting our feet back under us with the holidays, sickness, all that. You can tell I sound a little better this week. But, Carlos, man, it, it's been an exciting week. We had Daredevil finally making his return. Not Matt Murdock, but Daredevil making his return, or his first appearance, I should say, in the MCU. We got some stuff coming out of Spawn, Planet of the Apes, some of the beyond aspects of the Nerd Room. And we're also going to talk about the MCU, of course. It's something that's always on the tip of the tongue. And then I've got a question I'm going to throw on the table at the end of our new segment here to elaborate on a little bit that has to do with Black Adam, a movie that is gaining steam and momentum as we build towards its debut on October 21st. I want to put something out there for the listeners and yourself to think about. But, Carlos, we're getting to some of the news this week in Nerd. How are you doing, my friend? How was Thanksgiving? Uh, it was excellent. Yeah, and I was, I'm was i I'm even better now because you mentioned that we we're going to be talking about uh, Deadpool. And I was like, oh, I'm confused. Did something happen that I'm not aware of? Because we talked about that last week. But you transposed uh, my boy Matt Murdock with uh, Wade Wilson there. Oh, did I? Did I? Yeah. So the top should be Daredevil, not Deadpool. <laughs> uh, it's your topic. If you want to talk about Deadpool, we can. But... Uh, I'm going to suggest you want to talk about Daredevil because he's infinitely cooler than the derivative yes. Deadpool. But uh, Yes, hey. he is. And he, he's, he's doing some cool stuff in She-Hulk, and I'm digging it. And I want to really dig into that. Yeah. But speaking of Deadpool, it sounds like he's actually been pushed back uh, from his September 6th release date of 2024 to November of 2024. And that pushback comes with a whole pile of other MCU date postponements with Blade kind of being in a bit of a, a limbo right now with losing its director and starting a page one rewrite. And so that goes to 2024 from 2023. Fantastic Four moving to 2025 and Avengers Secret Wars moving to 2026. So yeah, what uh, what did you think of all these date changes, my friend? Because I know that the MCU lives large in your head. It certainly does. And to be honest with you, We've seen so many of these date changes over the last couple of years out of every shop, MCU, mm-hmm. DC, Star Wars. This seems like it's just the norm now. They put these titles in these slots. And I think if you even go back to our coverage of D23 
and the Slate reveal or San Diego Comic-Con, whichever it was, we had said, these seem like placeholders. The likelihood of this shuffling around is probably pretty high. And it seems like some of these movies are more interconnected than others as Kang Dynasty didn't move. And so now we have a, a year separation, a full year separation between Avengers movies, which what that's what Infinity War and Endgame were. And they're originally supposed to be much closer together. And so when I see this, I see the shuffling to accommodate better scripts, maybe actors or even other movies or shows that fit better into the narrative as they kind of look back and say, what pieces do we need to have in place to make all this work? Maybe it also gives some of these VFX houses a little bit of room to breathe. Probably not, but I, none of this stuff concerns me anymore because we've seen so much of it and it's usually some sort of optimization. I don't know if Indiana Jones is going to fall into one of those previously held slots or if this was done as part of a grander Disney shakeup. Who knows? But this stuff doesn't bother me. I'm okay with Secret Wars being pushed out to 26. Maybe that makes it just a little bit bigger. Yeah, I personally think it's probably just done to give everything some breathing room. Mm -hmm. Like, these movies are all going to start cannibalizing each other as everything starts to hit in 2024, 2025. Like, you just look at the release schedule and there's big movie on top of big movie. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the industry is in a pretty precarious place and most of the studios aren't overly healthy uh, as far as their bottom lines go. So yeah, I think it just gives everybody some breathing room and gives Marvel a bit of time to actually develop their stuff. And who knows, maybe they're seeing a bit of um, a glut in what they're offering and it gives people a bit more time to actually digest everything and allow their projects to linger because mm-hmm. it runs the risk of being disposable when one thing's barely finished and you're already into the next thing. So, um, yeah, I just see it, I personally see it as a huge positive and, you know, if, if they need more time for creative aspects of these things then awesome. But, um, yeah, I think it's just a, a logistics thing to be honest with you. Yeah, and as there's been a much larger shift towards the big box office movies, you know, go back a couple of years inside of this podcast even, we talked about the streaming service being the future, and it looks like a lot of companies are veering away from that. Disney is still heavily invested in it, of course, and Netflix and, and all that, but it does seem that these cascading slates are opening up, like you said, to create create some of the space because even it was announced last week that Don Cheadle's Armor Wars will now be a feature film and no longer a Disney Plus series. And so maybe it's moved to accommodate sliding that in somewhere or if it's maybe it's a feature film that's dropped right on Disney Plus. And so plans change. It's like anything, right? Anything you do in real life, you, you optimize on the fly, you change it up and you do what you got to do. And, you know, at this point, there's just so much. It doesn't matter, really. Like, Secret Wars being in 25 or 26, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't... There's just so much coming from every house that it doesn't make a... It makes no difference to me that it's been pushed out what it was from November all the way to, to May. And May is, is traditionally the Avengers time slot anyways. Yeah, and I like that they're kind of readjusting on the fly and thinking on their feet because it just it just makes sense. Like, if... I, I would rather have things pushed out two years than to get another Thor Love and Thunder type of thing. Mm-hmm. And just 
make sure that the stuff is good, right? Then it opens the door to doing, you know, maybe some more niche type projects. Like I watched Werewolf by Night. Yeah, did you like weekend. it? I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, like I, I, I quite loved it. Like it was a lot of style and very much a love letter to the old Universal monsters or even like the Hammer horror films of decades gone by, and and. and they just kind of knew what they were and leaned into it. Like it's, it's super campy and um, it, it doesn't try and be of a piece with the rest of the MCU. It just really embraces what it is and tells its own little story in its own quaint way. And yeah, it was totally charming. I, I absolutely loved it. It was something that they took a risk with. I don't know that it's something that I'd watch again, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Like the, the story wasn't overly gripping or the characters like didn't have me running out to go buy their comics or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was awesome that they took a swing and it really had um, a, a, an artistic and creative mindset to it. I felt so yeah, it was awesome. So if they do more stuff like that, like I think that, that project was done fairly cost effectively and mm-hmm. um, fairly quickly. Then sure, under the radar too. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, it. Um, you know, if we get more holiday specials, why not? Well, that's that's the thing. The way I look at Werewolf by Night, having yet to see it, I look at it as more of an event viewing more than anything. Right, you return to it maybe once a year if you're really digging the style. This is an appropriate time of year for that. It's the same thing. I don't watch Hocus Pocus throughout the year, but I just watched Hocus Pocus over the weekend. You know what I mean? It's it's of the time of year. It's there. It's accessible, and and you can tune in. And so that's the thing that I'm I'm waiting for a little f- further on. I can watch it by myself, and and I really enjoy that. But speaking about the MCU and continuing this thread on Disney Plus, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Daredevil in the MCU. We did see Matt Murdock. Charlie Cox's character being transposed from the Netflix series over into No Way Home. But this is the first time we get to see both Matt Murdock and Daredevil inside of the MCU proper, making his appearance in the ever-so-anticipated She-Hulk episode here with Matt Murdock and Daredevil. And the thing that I was quite nervous about was how you, in particular took the portrayal here because it is a little different than what we get inside of the daredevil series on netflix which is beloved by a lot of people myself included but there's elements from that in this and there's elements that are very much different and more of a piece with the mcu and so i texted you and i said did you like this i was was quite nervous but let the listeners know carlos was this something that that you enjoyed spoilers again for the last episode of She-Hulk that just drops. Yeah. No, I totally dug it. Like, you know what? Sometimes my boy Matt Murdock, he's just he's just got to have fun. You know, like one of his superpowers is Catholicism, but he still manages <laughs> to bed every female in the Marvel Universe. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I adored what Netflix did with the character on their platform, but... Like that guy's just been pushed so hard for so long and has been taken through the ringer. And it just kind of felt nice to see him just enjoy superheroing, enjoy living life, mm-hmm. 
show him as this kind of apex super smart lawyer with some unexpected angles in the courtroom and yeah and even just like the visuals of him like i yeah they were kind of over the top and a lot more comic booky than they ever did on netflix but i really enjoyed that like i enjoyed him doing impossible superhero things because we're watching an impossible superhero type show and Mm -hmm. so yeah they made that crazy yellow costume look awesome in live action and it was cool yeah they just had fun with him so yeah and i'm like a dyed in the wool daredevil fan i've been reading his book constantly since the 90s and yeah i i loved it like mm-hmm. I, I don't know we we've kind of had the broken down and battered matt murdoch and i'm sure we'll get it again uh but i kind of enjoyed getting that quasi I, I don't know, like maybe because he was in California in the episode, I was like, oh, it's kind of like Mark Wade's Daredevil when he had mm-hmm. to relocate to San Francisco. So I don't know. I, I can, in fact, I'm wearing a Daredevil shirt right yes, now. Yes, you are. Uh, I was yeah. going to point that out. <laughs> Hell's Kitchen Boxing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I loved it. So take it for what well, it's worth. Well, and I, that, that makes me quite happy when you text me that back. I was, I was quite thrilled because you know, I saw this as a bit of a departure, but a very welcomed one, as as you did, is that we got to see a little bit lighter side of Matt Murdock, and Charlie Cox continues to play the character just fantastically. And I liked the pieces that they gave a nod to the, the series. They did the hallway fight scene, which was at times quite brutal, you know, compared to what we're seeing in this whole She-Hulk show. There are, there's moments there where he's using his baton and using his fists, in a very similar way than it's done in the Netflix series. And so there's a nice alignment there. And then you go to the other side of things where he has the moment with, with Jennifer Walters and he does the walk of shame inside of the daredevil costume and his bare feet. You know, I got a great kick out of that and it just felt right. And one of the comments that you sent me that you enjoyed was, or maybe this was on Twitter. I don't know where you said they let him be a badass in the courtroom and inside of the costume. And I think that was an important thing is that he got one over quite quickly in the courtroom there. And it was a pretty organic way to bring him in to it all. And I think a nice piece of, of She-Hulk here that, that lives kind of on its own in its own episode. But overall, I'm, I'm still quite enjoying She-Hulk. I've found myself going to it every single week as relatively appointment viewing and although there is some things in there that like is maybe shaky at times, but like I can ignore all that because I'm just having fun with the show. Yeah, no, on the whole, I, I quite like it. Like I said, I've been watching it with my wife and we, we both, I don't think there's been an episode that we've absolutely mm-hmm. hated and no. yeah, they've, they've all been kind of fun and she's effortlessly charming episode to episode. So yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I fully appreciate how it wouldn't be for everyone. Oh, yeah. And uh, to be honest, I kind of like that the MCU is going into this stage of its life cycle in which it's like, you know what? There's so much out there and we have so much coming that we don't have to make everything for everyone. Like, I, I can totally see people that put on Werewolf by Night and watch 10 minutes and are, are checked out. To be honest, even myself, like... I'm rarely, if ever, a person that stops something halfway through. And I actually stopped it halfway and just watched it in two sittings kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just because that's that's how much it held my attention kind of thing. But I could see somebody walking away completely um, from this show or that 
that special or whatever, but that's fine. Uh, in a month or so, you'll have a Black Panther movie that is mm-hmm. probably going to lean a little more similarly to things that are traditionally more universal uh, or have more universal appeal for the MCU. So yeah, it's, it's cool. I, I like, I like the show. I like Miss Marvel. You know what? I, I'm championing Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk, but I detested WandaVision and I'm sure there's a lineup of a thousand people that want to fight me and I'll be Matt Murdock standing at the other end of that hallway, ready to go. <laughs> Dark hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, we've spoken about it over the last couple of weeks about the variety that the MCU in particular at this moment is bringing to the table and that not all of it is must-watch to get the narrative of the MCU. They've done a good job, even with the She-Hulk. You don't have to watch this episode with Daredevil in it to understand what's going to happen in Born Again. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it, it, this is just a piece, which is a nice cameo. You don't have to watch, really, even probably She-Hulk to get what's going on in Kang Dynasty. Now, there are going to be movies that play important roles into building that, but not all of this stuff is appointment, must-see TV, the hashtag, it's all connected. It's there. They all exist in this universe, but you don't need to watch anything. So that's the nice thing about this. If you don't like She-Hulk, you don't have to watch it, but don't make it a miserable time online for people that are enjoying it. <laughs> That's all I'll say <laughs> about that. It's okay to not like something. But what's going to be something that everybody likes and nobody will complain about on the internet <clears throat> is The Flash. Oh, yeah. The Flash <laughs> from Andy and Barbara Muschietti has been picture locked. So that means that Ooh. there's no additional filming, no additional rewrites. That basically from here until June 23rd, the anniversary of Batman 89, uh, all that's going to be happening is a bit of sound effects, a bit of VFX tinkering, a bit of post-production polish, but that is it for The Flash. So that movie is coming. There is no way on God's green earth that it's going to get canceled. And lo and behold, we were just talking delays and release schedules this delay for this movie was the ultimate blessing in disguise because oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're even like three weeks removed from the last Ezra Miller headline, but everybody's forgotten about it. And that's just the way the new cycle goes. It is the biggest, most earth shattering thing until the next biggest, most earth shattering thing happens. And it's all not important because nobody actually looked at the real news. So <laughs> yeah, I was pretty happy to see that this thing is picture locked and ready to go. And uh, we've had a few teases of Benjamin Walfish's score for the movie. And it mm. sounds like it's going to be cool and has a few cues that kind of echo the old nineties flash theme song that Danny Elfman did. And uh yeah, man, I'm I'm crazy excited for this. I've always been crazy excited for this. Um, you know, my my faith has been shaken a few times, um, like a singer in a Hawaiian karaoke bar. But uh, I'm back. I'm <laughs> back, really and I'm ready. So yeah, I think all is good. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see our first big true trailer for the Flash, and I think mm-hmm. the movie's gonna be huge. It's going to be something else. It's going to be a spectacle. There'll still be the lightning rod discussions around individuals in the film, what this film is actually going to do for the DC mm-hmm. universe. Is it going to be as pivotal 
as we had originally anticipated, who is the Batman in it? Who knows? We're going to find out eventually. But it is of great interest that it is now picture locked. Because I read an article today that there's talking about Ezra Miller was back reshooting things more recently no. and that they had made some apology and that had gone to uh, enough that they were allowed to to be back on set but now that it's picture locked like that must be an untrue rumor unfounded yeah. if you will unfounded you mean people are making stuff up about ezra All miller over and the, the flash <laughs> that, that's crazy but uh yeah the stuff about it being picture locked and done that was from I think it was Barbara Muschietti herself mm-hmm. was the one who came out and said that. So, yeah, he might have done some pickups or some ADR or something like that. I don't know. But, um, yeah. yeah, there's nothing big at any rate happening. No. Yeah, they already did all the reshoot of the Batflex stuff, right? That's already all in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a discussion for another day. It and certainly some, is. And it certainly some is. drinks. Yeah. <laughs> But man, let's let's skip over to the beyond piece of all this. And I'm actually going to reach over and pluck out a news article that you mentioned that really caught my interest after we stopped recording last week. And that was Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now, Planet of the Apes is a franchise that I've mentioned on the podcast over the last 337 episodes is a favorite franchise of mine coming into 20th Century Fox. Now, we all know that 20th Century Fox is now owned by Disney the company that produces two of my other favorite franchises in Star Wars and Marvel. So now they're taking the reins and they're going to turn this into a franchise. And 2017 saw War for the Planet of the Apes bring that trilogy, that new trilogy to an end that was hailed, at least from my perspective, as being a really solid entry into that. You know, you go back to the original 60s versions. My father introduced those to me and I still hold those near and dear. As campy as they are these these days, and even the later ones, I find interest in all of them. And this latest reboot with the advancements in CGI and bringing the likes of Caesar to life and it spanning over decades was a really cool approach to to doing that. Now, it looks like Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has or will be beginning production here in Australia at some point in the not-too-distant future and that it's going to be picking up quite a long time after War for the Planet of the Apes. So it looks like they're potentially continuing that story in some capacity. And I'm I'm immensely interested to see what potentially new creatives can do with this, but also what extents they're going to push this franchise to. Are they going to go for another trilogy? Are they going to go for a one-off and see what happens? Are they going to do a show on Disney Plus? I really don't know, but I think this franchise still has life left in it. And if they can go to the apocalyptic side of things where... We've gotten to a point where, if you remember which one was it, where they end up reestablishing civilization, the the apes and that, and you end up having them going to war. Like, there's a lot that can happen there, and a lot that can pull from the originals. But thoughts on Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes and and them reinvigorating this franchise after a pretty solid trilogy. Yeah, like my boy Matt Reeves crushed mm. it with those apes movies. Like honestly, the only thing I don't like about them is the titles. The titles need to be reversed. Rearranged. Yes, right. <laughs> They're backwards. Yes, the last two were completely backwards. Yes. Yeah, but aside from that, like man, I adore this trilogy and the character work that they did, and I think it's cool. Like the teaser image that we saw from this Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes 
kind of looks like it's the establishment of the ape civilization. Mm-hmm. So that's a great jumping on point for where we kind of had that Moses type image of Caesar getting to the promised land and dying. Right. So now we get to see what the apes did with that. And yep. there is loads and loads and loads of runway to oh, take yeah. that story because yeah, we didn't really actually see the apes, um, create that civilization and that society that we see in the original planet of the apes movie. Yes. So yeah, I, you could run that for years because mm-hmm. I think it's pretty ambiguous as to how much time has passed between war and the, the OG Heston movie. So, and I, and I think it's interesting too, to yes. see the struggle, to see their society develop. And it's, piece that I'm surprised they didn't get to in the movies, but I'm glad they didn't because they didn't mm-hmm. rush it and they kind of played it low key as they move things along. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited and I hope that that's where the story is. The, the little piece of concept art that we saw tells me that that's where we're going to be with it. So yeah, I think it'd be cool. And it, yeah, like you said, if it's a movie, great. If it's a series on Disney plus with some money put into it, that could be pretty amazing too. So um, yeah, who knows? Like they took the Predator franchise and put out that Prey movie, and I'd argue it's one of, if not the best entry in that franchise, which mm-hmm. I quite love. Um, so that gives me all the cause to be optimistic about what they do with Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and it's it looks like it's got a release date sometime out into twenty twenty four, I believe. And so they're they're giving it a little bit of time, a little room to breathe here, especially if they're doing quite heavy CGI that they they need kind of some of that time which is great you know i even like the 2001 reboot that they did with mark Wahlberg. it's uh it's something that i hold a little bit more near and dear because my dad and i saw that back to back with jurassic park 3 and so i thought it was pretty cool but yeah but that 2014 reboot through 17 you know they got a lot of a lot of mileage out of that but I, like i said like or like you said i'm excited to see what they can do with this franchise because i think they can go wherever. And I want to see that post-apocalyptic story told. I want to see that establishment of a civilization and maybe even the downfall over a trilogy of movies of said civilization, you know, the rise up and then the fall again of, of a yet another society that is potentially built on similar concepts that ours. And you see the same fall, like history repeating itself. And so there's, there's lots of cool stuff they can do in there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of things that have been long gestating, but with the potential for lots of cool stuff, we finally had some substantive updates on the Spawn movie. So, number one, what was hilarious was when Uncle Todd was announcing this, is not only did he flash up the announcement graphic, which was just literally him writing in Microsoft Paint or something, that there was a Spawn movie update. <laughs> and my, ki- my kid's like, I don't know how this guy has a multi-million dollar company and is doing something that uh, your kids could probably muster on a computer, but uh, that is what it is. But um, yeah, he announced that he's locked up his writers for his Spawn movie that's coming out uh, starring Jamie Foxx via Blumhouse, I guess, is who's putting this one out. But um, yeah, Scott Silver, who co-wrote The Joker or Joker, and Malcolm Spellman, who did Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. are going to be 
joined in a guy named Matt Mixon. I don't know what he's done, but um, and obviously Uncle Todd himself to craft this Spawn movie, and so that was pretty exciting. Um, and also interesting was Uncle Todd has relinquished his dreams of being a director, oh, and he's kind of <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like you know what we got. A-list actors, A-list producers, A-list <laughs> writers. He's like, we got to have a A-list director. So, and you know what? Good on him for recognizing that and doing what's best for the project. It's kind of the same mindset he has with his toys, to be honest with you. It's just what's best for what's best for the toy. So I'm pretty excited about this, actually. Um, when I, did that I original do... movie come out? Like early 90s? Mm, I think it was like kind of Batman Robin era. So like yeah. mid nineties, like 95, 97, somewhere in there. It's interesting that it's taken this long. Now, is that uncle Todd thing or to 97? It came out. Yeah. August yeah. 1st, so, 1997. So it's, it seems it's just, it's so long. Like we're probably going to be like on the order of three decades between films. And yeah, that, that was like, this is a relatively popular character. And especially with, the comic book movie boom over the last uh-huh. decade. I'm just really surprised that they haven't pushed this a little harder. Yeah, no, well, he's he's held on to it, and he's been pretty particular about making sure it gets done a certain way and presented in a manner that he wants. I know there was a few other projects that they'd kind of tossed around with doing like a salmon Twitch type focus movie with Spawn just being mm-hmm. something that's occurring in the background. And for a while he was adamant that he directs the movie and i imagine that was just, a bit of a I, just imagine that just imagine from his career the mind that's creating these toys you know i feel like he'd just be like let's make these toys and this is how we're gonna do it mashing you know the other way i was like 800 percent yep that's uh that's how he rolls but uh yeah i'm excited for this spawn movie to be honest with you and he, he at New York Comic Con, he actually played a voicemail that he had on his phone from Jamie Foxx talking about, you know, Jamie Foxx feels that he's got something pretty special there that they can uh, make a big impact with. So, yeah, who knows? Like Spawn, Spawn Mania is starting up once again. They've got the big Batman Spawn crossover happening mm-hmm. with him and Greg Capullo. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, but. He's certainly got the horses in the stable to get it done and get it done properly. So, yeah, yeah. it should be cool. And that's what's all important, right? You know, we're, we're moving into a phase with, with comic book movies that you're seeing all kinds of different things coming back and nostalgia, it's real. And so, yeah, we're working into that 25-year time frame where the nostalgia spawn is going to really come back and, and hit hard. And I, I'm just, like you said, I, I'm equally excited in the sense that Let's just see what happens. Let's get put to the table, you know? It might be crazy. It might be the best comic book movie of all the time. Likely going to be somewhere in between. And mm-hmm. so it just gives us something else to put eyeballs on, something that's a little bit different, character that's not as well-known as, probably as recognizable as some of the stuff that's going on right now, but just hasn't had the same sort of fanfare and attention that, that other characters have or are getting at this point in time, you know, the likes of like Moon Knight and She-Hulk and all these characters that are getting... You know their time to, to shine it's let's put spawn let's put something from image up there a little different and see what can happen yeah exactly and to be honest like the image stuff that has hit screens has been super successful mm-hmm. well for the most part they've had some tremendous successes with things like um 
The Walking Dead obviously is the big one, but even projects like Invincible, just mm-hmm. awesome stuff. So, yeah, let's see what happens. Amazing, amazing. Well, Carlos, do you have any more news stories you want to throw onto the table here before I pose a question that will need to be answered here regarding the DC Universe? Nope, you can ask me your question, man. I don't think I have anything else burning. All right, well, just a short news segment this week, guys. You know, we're going to be keeping our finger on the pulse here of what's going on. And, you know, there's lots of toy stuff out there. So we might might shake out a toy stream over the next couple of weeks here. We'll see. We'll see how things go. But, Carlos, so back in 2020, mid-pandemic, around October time, I believe, we attended our first DC fandom. Now, this is an event that you and I hailed as a giant success. The follow-up in 2021 was absolutely fantastic. But if you remember at that 2020 event, after years of discussion, after years of conjecture if he's actually going to do it, DJ The Rock debuted the first teaser footage for Black Adam. And that teaser footage contained this scene inside the tomb where he was pretty much a badass inside of that. And ever since then, ever since that moment, there's been a line that has followed him around. It's been a line that you and I, more particularly you, have quoted quite a bit over the last couple of years. That line is, the hierarchy of power is about to change in DC, in DC film. And what I want us to discuss here, Carlos, is what does that mean? mean now some of it has potentially been contextualized major spoilers here for black adam there's things out there that we're not going to explicitly touch on but i don't want to spoil anything for anyone out there but this line has this line has the meaning been over exaggerated was it simply meant to be a call sign for black adam that something was changing or when you look at the way that DJ is approaching his marketing for this, his involvement inside of DC, does this have more of a meta meaning? Or have I been reading way too much into this? Because I think this line has meaning for what the future looks like, what this film in particular could do for the DC universe as we pivot and move in a direction what that direction is i don't know but what are your thoughts on this line well up until this world premiere press junket i thought that the hierarchy of power in the dc universe is about to change just simply meant that black adam is coming Mm-hmm. And he's going to be the biggest, baddest mofo on the block. <laughs> Period. Full stop. Like, he he's going to be the guy that can toss around whoever you throw at him, Superman included. Um, and you better watch out. But as you listen to him do these interviews, and it's always like those key outlets and the guys with big fanboy followings and the guys with connections to the actual trades, the things that he's starting to say in those spaces seem to insinuate that there is a bigger, grander plan Mm -hmm. for all things within the DC universe. And they're kind of reclaiming some of those things that were thrown to the wayside and their connected universe. 
and that the hierarchy of power might mean that he's going to be, um, as in Dwayne Johnson versus Black Adam, he and his Seven Bucks production team are going to be more fundamentally entrenched in what mm-hmm. um, DC on film looks like and how they proceed. And uh, yeah, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, you look at things like just interviews with Hiram Garcia and he's got like these statues and other DC product behind him that isn't necessarily tied to black Adam. So it's like, well, how deep in the weeds is this guy? Mm -hmm. And he would be one of the people kind of spearheading that. Right. And, um, new line and the rock have had a, a pretty long relationship with each other. And yeah, I, I think that that might be a bit of the meaning is that they are there and they're there to stay. And, they're going to be guiding the ship a little bit. And I I think they're a good group to do it, to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. because they kind of know how to read people in this space and cater to them and get something that's going to have some success. Like, honestly, look no further than the marketing of Black Adam. And like, this thing went from something that people were naysaying on the internet to just being like undeniable and everybody's talking about it and anticipation to me seems pretty white hot. Like even half his crap that he released with the black Adam logo on under armor is sold out. So (laughs) that's, that's just not us in the nerd room buying that stuff. Although some of us may have spent a bit of money on that at launch, but uh, yeah, (laughs) it, uh, it is what it is, but I, I think you're onto something here, man. Yeah. And like the thing that really got this going in my brain over the last even just couple hours is that um, you shared a, an interview inside of one of our DMs that had him discussing the idea that he is listening to the fans and almost pleading with people to be patient with this. There's There's been a lot of slate shifts. There's been a lot of movies moved out of this year in particular for DC. There's been a lot of upheaval in that company with that stuff coming in and wiping the slate clean to a degree moving things off of HBO. You know, we've chronicled all of that through since the summertime when that really started to, to unfold. But the one thing that's been consistent has been black Adam and DJ. Yeah. The the timing has moved around a little bit, but his level of commitment to this speaks to me on a level that is grander than just the movie. And that's why I wanted to bring this quote in here because we joke around about it, but it's been probably the most consistent thing in DC since 2020, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, and to be honest, like I, I feel a bit bad for the folks steering the ship at DC because it's not that they're doing anything wrong that's caused upheaval and uncertainty. It's like the massive corporate structure on top of them yep. that they, they can't control. Like, if Disney was in as tumultuous a situation as Warner Brothers, Marvel Studios would be no less in an enviable position. Mm -hmm. But it's because they got that stability and they know um, what the future looks like for them corporately. They can can exist and thrive, right? But Exactly. You got to think, like, those poor buggers in the DC offices, this is their second major shakeup. Mm -hmm. And this one has... I don't know what at the helm. 
Like, yeah, some people, well, some people love them, some people hate them, and we'll see what happens. But yeah. I've been through corporate upheaval where we just make fun of things that it's there's a revolving door and a game of musical chairs being played at the individual steering the ship because it is it's constant change. Like the one thing to expect is some change is going to happen. And that's why I think, you know, DJ being potentially more involved, you know, not like a Kevin Feige type of individual, but as someone that is consistently pushing the brand of DC and bringing it to a level where he is an ambassador of it and a consistent ambassador of it. And he has been, he's been talking about this movie for like 10 years. And when he spit out that line, I agree. It sounded more like Black Adam, but it seemingly evolved into more because even with this concept of we are listening, you know, in this interview you sent me, we're listening to the fans. Please be patient. I hear you guys. You seem interact with people specifically on Twitter. And in this interview too, he likens something to his time spent in WWE and the idea and concept that you they listen to the fans. They don't always do exactly what the fans want, but it's okay to give the fans what you want. And you don't always have to work towards a swerve. You don't always have to work to subverting expectations. And instead of just going down the path and delivering what was promised, you end up on the other side of things. And like, there's a level of, of audience expectation that is built into that to a degree. But what I think he's saying with all this is that he's going to deliver here, but he's also and was explicit in this interview as well in saying that, you know, he's not here for the short term. Like he's building towards something much bigger. And this is a stepping stone. This is your phase one film, if you will. You know, he sees this as a launch to a bigger Black Adam franchise, but even a bigger DC franchise. I think there's a lot of merit and he's been very particular in his wording because usually The Rock's kind of, he's firing out things, right? But I found him a slightly more reserved in the in these past interviews where he's tiptoeing around things a bit more. And I think a lot of it's going to be revealed to Black Adam and particularly inside of this post credit scene as the direction that all this is going to go. Not everything, but some of it. Yeah, and there's some rumors in that regard too that the post credit scene has some pretty firm commitments in place on the part of the studio as Mm -hmm. far as what projects they're going to uh, spin out of that and develop. So that's, that's pretty damn exciting. I'll tell you right now, my kid is like, no, I don't believe any of it. Like I'll believe it when I see it type of thing. But uh, yeah, it's, it's almost undeniable at this point in time. So yeah, it's, it's a cool time. It's exciting. I think he's a good person to be there. And honestly, I think he views DC as being his XFL. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's the XFL to the MCU's NFL. And there's some, some pieces there, some things to work with. And it's just a matter of getting it in a direction that people like, and that people will embrace and that you can, you know, move forward with some success because there is awesome pieces there. Like mm-hmm. they've got a fantastic Aquaman. They've got a wonderful Wonder Woman. They've got a 
killer Superman. And I think the flash will do big things too and open some doors and, you know, the delay with that film and anything that they've done to tweak it will only like kind of revisiting that. And through the lens of this interview, it's probably to make sure that everything's hammered down and has some direction. And, you know, we had unexpected things like seeing Ben Affleck pop up for the filming of Aquaman there and Mm -hmm. whatnot, and some dates move around with different movies and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I think they kind of have a bit of a plan now as to what they're doing, but they're smart enough to not reveal the plan just in just in case, right? And to let well, it... they've been burned so many times with "Here's our slate," you know, rushing towards some sort of end game. But the the going back to the quote here, you know, he's talking about the power is about to change, right? This stuff takes time. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. in an instant. It doesn't happen in a single movie. But I, I truly do believe that DJ is invested. Now, the higher-ups at DC or Warner Brothers or Discovery or whatever may see things differently. But there's a level of influence that we all have to remember that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has. And it's a tremendous one. So mm-hmm. they want this guy as much a part of their universe as any other Hollywood actor, there's really no one on planet earth that can do better things to the DC brand at this point in time than Dwayne, the rock Johnson. And he's a hell of a guy to have in their corner. No, it's true. And if I like the one piece of credit that I'll give Zaslav is that it's transparent. It's like under the old WB regime, it's like even going back to like the seventies, it was where a film first, the art of film studio above all else. And because of that, um, there was a bit of cynicism towards the development of their DC brand and their comic book movies kind of thing. Whereas with Zaslav, it's like, I just want things that make money. Mm-hmm. And what makes money? Well, Marvel Studios is making money hand over fist. And... We've got the stable of characters that's just as good as theirs. So why are we not making money hand over fist? So that's why I think that the resources and the uh, desire to develop those things will be there greater than it has been under those previous regimes, regardless of slates and everything else, is because like Toby Emmerich is pretty infamously known for being skeptical about mm-hmm. comic book movies, right? Whereas, like, whatever. We could put out a movie of your kids opening La La Loopsie dolls, and if that make money, that's what that guy's going to put on the screen. So, yeah, um, yeah th- that's kind of the the piece of the, the math that tells me that things are going to be happening and moving forward. So um, that's something to be excited about. Yeah. So there it is, guys. The hierarchy power is about to change. It will change in some capacity on October 21st when Black Adam drops into theaters. And we will be following that up directly with a review of that film. It's going to be a day of or weekend of drop viewing for me. I know you guys are already locked in to your viewing. And so it's going to, it's an exciting time because it, it feels like we're on the cusp. We're on the doorstep 
of of that change and i'm excited to see what what dj brings to the table i'm excited to see even just that slight change in direction and i think one thing i want to caution everyone here it's not going to change overnight this is going to take time but this is a step in the right direction as i've known to uh to have say to have said about the dc universe so dj all the well, way man. yeah first reactions come out tomorrow but by all accounts like he has come out multiple times and said that people absolutely adore the movie mm-hmm. and uh, and even he was talking about being tired in the promotion aspect and all that kind of stuff but saying it's been so much easier because everybody that he's going into a room with to speak about the movie has seen it and loved it so um yeah that's nothing but upside for the hierarchy of power in the dc universe changing there it is guys there it is we're not gonna go any further than that we're gonna leave it on that note build a little bit more hype for black adam because next week carlos is taking a little bit of a, a breather and then we're gonna be going straight into black adam so i want to make sure we built some more of that hype before uh before you took uh took the hype machine the hype engine if you will um, off for a week, and so guys, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there with Black Adam. Hey, Carlos, you got any more any more things you want to put out into the universe before we sign off here? No, I think that's it, man. I think uh, I think we've said it all. So there, it is. yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you guys will do me proud next week, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the flip side of Black Adam. Yes, we will. I'm very excited to review that movie. You know, it's been a uh, what was our last big review for DC film was the Batman. Yeah. And that was that was something else. That was an experience in and of itself. And so, yes, I'm I'm quite excited. This is one of my most anticipated reviews of the year, and I can't wait to discuss Black Adam in a bit more detail and, and see if this power has actually shifted or not. But I'm I'm leaning more towards the former. So, guys, that is all. Like we said last week, if you guys would like to be a bigger part of this show, you can email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over at nerdroom.net. YouTube, we've got a video going up tonight. We'll be in the feed, or in our YouTube feed, I should say, on the channel. It's got Ian is coming back at you guys with another unboxing, which is very, very exciting. He's continuing to put out just excellent content as we try to get our YouTube feed back underneath us here. We're maybe coming at you guys with a live stream in the next couple of weeks. We've got a Black Adam review. There's lots going on. Here inside the nerd room. So make sure to subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and Twitter's. We're going to be giving our first reactions to some of these things. So you can find our handles at the end of the episode. So, Carlos, until we're on the other side of Black Adam for you, I'll be back next week in some capacity. We had to say goodbye for this week, and we're going to be doing that by signing out as we usually do. So, guys, thank you very, very much for coming and listening and joining and sharing and experiencing nerd with that. But until next week, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you guys so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.